Verdadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. My name is Blue, and I am a dad without borders. Hello and welcome back to Dab Without Borders. I've had a break over January, uh, so I missed an episode, um, but we're back. I'm back. And I had COVID, which was the main reason um, I lost some time in January. I was sick for about a week and yeah, it just kind of threw me off my schedule. So I am back. I'm healthy. I'm glad to say that it was no worse than man flu. Um, I was tired, fatigued for about a week. Um, I tested positive and my wife also, she was no symptoms whatsoever. And my son also no symptoms whatsoever. Um, but I was, I was a little sick and a little tired out. So yeah, back at it. Um, glad to say, yeah. And it got me reflecting a bit about COVID. My eldest son, who's in the UK, um, was here well, he was here for Christmas, uh, which you will know if you're a regular listener, um, but yeah, just before Christmas, he had COVID, no symptoms whatsoever. And yeah, it just got me thinking about how the restrictions have been so intense over the last couple of years. And it's had a huge impact on our family just because of the international travel factor, the quarantining and the testing and everything. It's been a really stressful time. And yeah, I would say our family is ready to move on with life for sure. Um, but yeah, I just have a lot of love and compassion. Um, and no judgment for anyone and their viewpoints because what I've noticed is of course everybody has an opinion and it's really easy to kind of get caught in your echo chamber and but as a dad with a family living with my family my kids and communicating with my kid overseas the only way to approach it in my mind is to be compassionate to come from a place of love and not judge everybody for their decisions because I, otherwise, that's going to rub off on my family. That's what I feel. So I've been really focusing on you just have to be positive. You know, you just have to know everything's going to change. Do the best you can. Be respectful of everybody around you. And yeah, just be a good example to your kids. And in that way, too, you're not rubbing maybe your partner off the wrong way as well uh, by getting caught up with all the politics and you know, the frustration and anger, but I get it. I 100% get it because like I say, we have been really impacted by the restrictions um, with COVID. So love and compassion, you know, as a parent and focusing on that, um, it's kind of my mantra. So yeah, looking forward to life moving on. Um, things seem to be shifting in the right direction. I think um, having had Omicron, um, yeah, fortunately for me, it was mild. I appreciate for not everybody that's the case. I know most people that I know have been, yeah, a little sicker for sure. Um, I guess I take my minerals and my supplements or something, but yeah, yeah, lucky to come through that. You never know how it's going to go. So that's done. I'm back on the podcast. I'm excited for the next episodes coming up. Um, 
yeah, so today, uh, talking to Dijon's, who is down in Texas with five kids, and yeah, great conversation. I really enjoyed chatting to him. Um, he has his own podcast, The Dear Son Podcast, so check that out. I will put links in the show notes, and I've been sharing him on Instagram, so I'll keep doing that. Um, and if you're a listener, if you're either a regular listener or you listen to this and you enjoy it and you want to listen to other episodes and follow, then yeah, please subscribe. And Instagram's my place, really. I don't do anything on Facebook particularly. And yeah, I don't really have any other main platform. I've got the podcast and the Instagram is where I put my energy. So please follow. If you're not already doing so, please follow. Uh, show me the love in that way. If you like it, tell your friends, get them to follow, subscribe. Um, I'm doing it for love. I'm not doing it for money. I would love to get paid to do this. If anybody wants to pay me, that'd be great. But right now, it's all about the love. So show me the love by following, subscribing. And uh, yeah, send me a DM, so a direct message um, if you like what you, what you hear. And give me some feedback because um, that's always appreciated. Um, but yeah, without further ado... Um, let's just jump into the conversation with Dijon's and as ever, please enjoy. Hey, Dijon's, thank you so much for joining me on Dab Without Borders today. I really appreciate you taking the time, man. I appreciate the invite, man. Happy to be on your platform. Looking forward to this conversation. Hey, so let's start off with you. Can you set the scene? So where in the world are you? I think you got about six kids. You crazy man. Um, but if you could just kind of, yeah, introduce the family, yeah, however you want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I am in, uh, in Grand Prairie, Texas, uh, probably more notable city is Dallas, Texas, home of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, which I am a fan. I don't want to hear any feedback on that. Just let me be, let me grieve in peace. Uh, proud father of five children married to one wife. Um, we've been in the Texas area, well, specifically this area for about four years. Before that, we lived overseas. We, uh, we had a few years in Dubai, which was really cool. Before that, we were in Washington, D.C., which is closer to where we're from, which is the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, probably the most notable um, uh, thing there that people will recognize is Langley Air Force Base, pretty big military base in that area. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, so five kids, not six. So I, yeah, I, I was going to, you know, it was going to come out at some point. I was going to correct you because there's, there's no chance of six. <laughs> okay. That's yeah. I'm, well, I'm, I'm th third is on the way in May, but I think that's it for us. Congratulations. I think. Thanks man. I'm, I'm pumped. Hey, I thought so too. Yeah. I thought so too. So my kids are 18, 16, 14, eight and seven. So after that three, you kind of think you're done. Just, just FYI. <laughs> so how I'm interested in this question for you. Um, cause I don't know if I've had anybody on with so many kids. Oh no, I think I have, but five kids, 18 to seven, mm -hmm. big spread. Right. And I know yeah. I've changed as a dad from my first eight and a half to my three-year-old. Like is your parenting being consistent through those years with all of the kids? No, no, so what's, no, no What changed no. over the years for you in your, in your approach to each kid? Um, repetition, man. If when you first, uh, when you first become a father, well, for me, it was a great feeling. I had a great, uh, a great dad, you know, great father modeled most of my, you know, all of my life. 
So I had a good perspective, a positive perspective about being a father, but there's nothing like the child coming into the world or coming into your life, right? So my, my oldest um, is not my biological, but she's my daughter. We don't, we don't do steps. Uh, so my, you know, my wife, we came into that situation uh, with, the, with an instant family, which, which was great for me because it, it, it actually, what it was our relationship formed really quickly. Uh, me, me and my oldest daughter, uh, we didn't have too much uh, issues with um, respect for me because I wasn't a biological. It was pretty early in her life. She was six months old. Um, and then she was two, two and a half when we got married. So we, you know, I had a, I had a great experience with coming into the dad role. The part that I didn't experience was childbirth, which I experienced with number two, which is a ma sends a major shock wave through your system. I don't know if you were brave enough to be in the room or if the, the, the relationship was in a place for you to be in a room, but being in that room is, is it takes all of the man out of you, all of the, the macho, anything that you could conjure up, just seeing the process of a child being born and seeing how strong women are. That right there was probably the most pivotal moment. Like, man, you went through all of this so that we could have a child together. And then we, you know, we kept doing the thing and then it kept happening over and over again. But, um, you know, like from one to two, that was the biggest change because I didn't see the birthing process with my oldest. We all have special relationships. There's things that are quirky about uh, the relationship that I have with each of them. We, we all have our kind of thing, you know what I mean? And them allowing me to mature and be, become a better communicator throughout the process has made it easy. Cause I wasn't, I wasn't great at communication early. I really focused on the mechanics of fatherhood and, and, and husbandry, if that's a word. But, um, you know, more recently I've, I've, I've began to focus on the importance of family, right? The importance of being open and honest and vulnerable with my children and my wife. And, um, that that's a level of success that I'm, I'm grateful for at this stage. Yeah. hundred percent. Hey, you put a really interesting, it really resonated with me actually, you put out, I think a message, I no message commented on one of your Instagram posts recently. Mm -hmm. And it was something I won't word this correctly. So you can kind of, you can jump in here, but something around the financial frustration and embarrassment that we're wired as dads yeah. to provide and any inability to do that makes us feel weak. And Absolutely. just the ego attachment to that, you know, that, yep. that kind of classic breadwinner kind of thing for me yep. with number one, that's for that was the biggest thing like the i mean yeah looking back my ex-wife that's the part the mother of my first child i think mm -hmm. one of the biggest arguments for us that we were having at the time was around finances and for me i remember yeah. like in terms of my ego and just like i just felt the weight of the world with that financial need right like how yeah. is that for you being like because you've been a dad for a while right like you've 18 years yeah, yeah, yeah. So Please, I'm a vet now. Yeah. So what did work, yeah. what's work look like for you through the, through the different ages of the kids? So work, work has been, has been consistent for the last 15 years. What is this? This is 2002. So 2000, 2007, I jumped out and I came home and I told my wife, I'm an entrepreneur, right? We were both working full time. She was in the air force. She was planning to get out, had actually put in her papers to, uh, to, to depart from the military. And we both agreed that it made sense for her to be a stay-at-home mom for some period of time because we had three children. 
under four, I believe. Yeah, under four, four and a half. So that was that was a decision that we made. And I've always had entrepreneurial spirit, uh, but in in hindsight, it was more um hobbies, right? I I I was good at stuff, people liked it. Uh sometimes they paid for it if I asked, and I, I thought I had a business. So I I I literally came home, I was like, hey, I'm, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm gonna quit too. And to a fault, my wife trusts me way too much to this day, right? And it's, I didn't present it in a, in a, in a manner that was conversive um, or conversational. It was kind of like, I'm giving you this information, here's what I'm doing. And she was pregnant at the time. So uh, salute the, my consideration <laughs> at, that, at that stage. That's life, some good it? trust that you've built up there. Oh, I, oof, I don't know how, but um, you know, so, so I always worked. And then I had that span where I jumped out and I thought it was going to be, uh, I was gonna be able to make a splash and build something for my family. I just wasn't ready. Got a lot of lessons from it that I appreciate to this day, but it was, a, it was a rough time. And one thing that you, that you mentioned that I'm, that was your story, not necessarily part of my story is that we never argued about money. I was just, I was just uh, very guarded in, um, what's the right, I heard a, a couple coined a term called financial infidelity, right? I, I just would not say stuff. I would hide stuff, hide scenarios, hide situations. If something came in and there was a pink note, pink note telling us something's about to get turned off, you know, I'm, I'm hiding those things, not having those conversations. And what I realized later, like within the last couple of years, not that it, it dragged out that long is that she only wanted to be aware to help. She didn't want to be aware to, to, to berate me or belittle me and make me feel less than a man. She wanted to understand what our situation is so that she could, you know, help contribute, adjust some things. You know, we, if we have to adjust our lifestyle, it was never about us having so much or looking like we have so much for her. I was always focused on providing a lifestyle that didn't really align with finances. Right. And I, and I did pretty well throughout uh, my, my corporate career. I just, I was just bad with money. So um, that's, a, again, I like that it, though. The, the fact that your, your wife, wife at the time. Oh yeah. Cause you got married way back, like 16 years. Yeah. yeah uh, 05. Yeah. But that's a good, I think that's a really good point that they're there to help. And that just like immediately makes me think of the fact that you're a team as parents, you know, yeah. and you've got to lean on each other and feel safe to do that. Yeah. And, that, and that's a really important thing because it, it's with that team aspect, it's not like you're the coach and they're the players and they do everything you say. You, you're, if you're a coach, you're a player coach, you're on the field too. Um, so I had to adjust the way that I looked at things and stop letting my embarrassment ruin our relationship. Yeah. Right. But that's it. Like I, so I, I live in Canada now and I've lived here for a long time, originally from the UK. So I came over here as an entrepreneur um, in tourism. I was, you know, running uh, sort of venture tourism kind of uh, setup. Now, for me, though, becoming a dad, I did feel the extra weight as an entrepreneur. Like I, what ended up happening for me is I actually transitioned into working for like a not-for-profit. Like a, I found a stable office job. Not the dream job and not what I'm doing now, but for like quite a few years until maybe a year ago, I kind of chose that path. Like that to me sounds pretty brave to be jump becoming yeah. an entrepreneur <laughs> your wife's pregnant you've already got other kids like yeah what, yeah I, mean, was, I don't know it was it the drive to make more money or like the freedom or uh it was uh, i say about 40 percent 
ignorant, 60% stupidity. Like I, I really, I believe I can do anything right to this day that if I want to do it, I, I can figure it out. I didn't do the figuring it out part. So I didn't set up a plan to transition. I just said, I see other people doing it. I think I could be successful and I could have, but that success comes after the work, right? And, and I've said it before, the money doesn't necessarily immediately follow the work either. It's a process. So I, I put more stock in me than I did effort. And, um, you know, I was easily deflated and then that turned into resentment. And then I would be mad, try to be mad at her before she could be mad at me. You know, it was, it was very immature, just untimely, um, an untimely stage in my life to make that kind of jump with all of the responsibilities that, that I had, especially now that they were all transitioning to me. But yes, I mean, to your point, that was, that was the, that was the fantasy side about making a whole lot of money and looking cool. And, uh, you know, I, I did, I did do it because I wanted to create something for my family and be able to help other people. But, um, I just wasn't, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. So how did that play out? Like to the debt, to the work you're doing now, like how, what's that look like? Yeah. So I, I, I was, I remained in the same line of work. I've been in supply chain under uh, us government contracts for well, since 98, with the exception of that, that one year, uh, fantasy ride that I took, uh, into entrepreneur entrepreneurism. Um, and I've, I've kind of matured through the various stages. So I started, I started doing physical work, doing labor. I was a pipe fitter in the shipyard. So uh, here where they build the carriers and the submarines that support the Navy and the Air Force, actually all branches of the military for the U.S., I was, um, I was an apprentice. I was an apprentice at uh, that shipyard. And I very quickly realized that physical labor wasn't my path to success. Right. And it was the model to do that 40 years. And, and I salute and I am, you know, I, I admire the people that made a success out of it. I knew it wasn't for me, you know, coming home at the end of the day and it's black soot coming out of your nose and your body's tired and it's, it, it's physical labor all day. I knew then that um, I wanted to think more. So I, I landed there because I left school. So if you can see a pattern of me not making great decisions. You know, my first year in college, I did a semester. I think I had like a 0.2 or 0.3 GPA. And I was trying to psych my parents out into being, you know, feeling sorry for me because when my grades came in, you know, I knew I was in trouble. I came from the, I came from the extreme discipline uh, generation. So I, you know, it wasn't going to be a great conversation. And I was, you know, I was trying to make them feel sorry. Like, you know, school is tough and blah, blah, blah. And my dad called my bluff. He said, okay, well, you know, I, you're not wasting my money. I'm like, wait, that's not, that's not what I was saying. You were supposed to comfort me and tell me that I can do it. But, you know, that, that next semester, he told me something that, that I will never forget. He was like, when I get up and go to work, you leave my house. Don't come back before me unless you have a job. It's like, wait, whoa. <laughs> like I, I, didn't, I did not go to class and fail to have this experience. But that was my experience. So, you know, I ended up washing cars for a little bit. Then I got into the apprentice school, uh, all of that to say, to, to give you the backdrop of like that experience in the apprentice school, though, I hated it kind of set up my life. So the, the commodities that I was buying, I later became a designer that incorporated those commodities for the same, in the same industry. After that, I became a buyer 
that bought those commodities in the same industry. And I've kind of matured from the buyer to, you know, more complex service contracts and the management. Um, and then to, to where I'm now in the executive space, which has been a, which has been a really good ride. Um, but you know, there's still that entrepreneurial bug that's, you know, I, cor corporate does with you what it wants. And when it dismisses you, it's just business, but when you leave it's personal. So I, I am very acutely aware of the need to prepare at all times for if, and when something ever becomes, uh, you know, the, the job becomes the traditional job becomes in jeopardy. I don't want to have to ask somebody else for an opportunity. And you're doing it because you've got the podcast and you, which I'm going to, and I've checked that out, but what I haven't checked out, and I'd love to hear why you even jumped into it, but you do a podcast with your wife, yeah, which yeah, yeah, is yeah. called healthy, healthy marriage. Is that right? Healthy marriage is dope. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. It. Healthy marriage is dope. And it is really just, so both of the podcasts are in the vein of being a mirror to the community that it serves, right? For Dear Son, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of my friends and colleagues that are in the podcasting space. They do the, the Entrepreneur Journey podcast and how to make more money and how to do all of this. My podcast is saying like, that's great. And I support it. I'm on the same journey. Whatever you define as successful, just arrive with your family intact. That's the aha moment for me at this stage of my life is that chasing it and, and achieving it still left me empty, though I didn't do it. You know, it's that, there's no millionaire story yet, but, you know, for whatever levels of success that I reached, it's, it's felt empty because I was real dismissive of my family. So the Healthy Marriage is Dope podcast is in that same vein of just sharing information, sharing our experiences about marriage that survived all of these, uh, you know, bad decisions and just low points and high points that every marriage goes through and giving that information to people that could use it to avoid it, right? One thing that I realize and I appreciate now is I don't need the experience. I just need the information from your experience. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to go through it. Just get like, oh, okay, that's, so when you, when you walk into a wall, it hurts. Okay, cool. <laughs> Got it. No walls for me. <laughs> so that, that's what it is. And it's, it's been a, you know, it's done more, it's done as much for us. It's, I don't know what it's done for everybody. What it's done for us is it, it was in a, it becomes an appointed time for us to have meaningful conversations. And it's not that we just have meaningful conversations then, but it was on the schedule. So if you have five kids at various stages of life and career and all of that, some of that stuff gets lost, right? If, you, if you're not intentional about it. And some of the conversations don't come out <laughs> because it was like, no, that one was really for us. Like we got to fix we got to fix something and maybe we'll talk about it while, you know, after the wound heals, because that's not the point to, to keep, you know, scabs open. But as we have information, as we overcome it, uh, sometimes as we're going through it, we share it with, uh, with whoever, whoever it reaches. So you record it, bring up a topic yeah. and just see what happens. Yeah, we don't, we, so we'll have a, we have a, a shared, uh, what is it on, um, the notes, like a, a shared notes page on, on, on our Apple phones and we'll constantly add topics, but it's never any context. So when we get to the recording time, it's all right, whose turn was it to pick? We pick the topic. We may have 30 or 45 minutes, 30 or 45 seconds of, of conversation about clarifying anything. Then we roll. So the conversations are in real time. And sometimes you can tell, cause it's like, wait, you, hold on, you, you thought that about me or that's how it made you feel? But, we, you know, it's, it's us going through it and, you know, it, it resonates with people because we're not 
marriage therapists. We're not marriage experts. We say we're experts on our marriage. So we're, we're great at telling you how we won and lost. And, and that's, that's what makes it easy, right? We, we never run out of topics. Even if we discussed it before, we may have a different perspective in a year because yeah. we're growing, you know? Have you guys ever been to any counselor, marriage counseling or anything like yeah. that? You have, eh? Mm -hmm. Yes, we have. We have. We have out of um, desperation and out of maintenance. And it's, it's the age old, you know, analogy that you, you continue to work out to stay in good shape. So if you continue to work out things in your marriage to keep your marriage in good shape, for whatever reason, society views that as you having problems or as a negative, it's the same concept, right? You, if you want to be mentally sharp, you keep working on the thing. Just because you learned it, you don't let it go until you need it again. You kind of keep working on it, develop that, that muscle memory so that it can stay healthy. So we, you know, yes, absolutely. That's awesome. Go, go, go when it's not bad. <laughs> that's the heck i yeah totally a buddy of mine told me that about yeah a few years ago and so we did that we yeah we 100 mm. went when we i mean i'm sure we had some stuff because we're all human right so it's like yeah, working yeah, and yeah. living with someone full-time is a lot with kids yeah. too as you know like sleep deprivation yep. like man it's the worst torture but yep. but i was resistant because i did feel like it meant and this is going going back before my I have a very healthy marriage now, but yeah, I was like, why would we do that? That's just telling everybody that we're failing like a hundred percent. Like there was no way yeah. I was going, but yeah. I, yeah, I, I was dry. I was dragged there the first time. It, and, and that's a, So I made two points that the, the most damaging thing that we do to our relationships is caring about what other people outside of our relationship think. They may not even be thinking about us. But we get in our heads and we start creating these scenarios and these outcomes that that manifest, right? Because we we think that we need to care about what they're thinking. Um, so I, I you talked about being dragged. One thing that came out of our last conversation about uh, therapy, we actually had a therapist come on for an hour and just kind of talk through some stuff with us in real time. And I made a comment that you know to the women how do you how do you get a guy to go to therapy you don't he has to make that decision because if he's going out of duress it's checking a box and it's probably growing more resentment now i'm not i don't have any stats that it never works but for me and people that i know doesn't typically work if we're going out of force so the other piece of it is a lot of the the outcome or the aha moments of therapy is that you got to work on you. So therapy as a couple therapy individually, they both make sense. Yeah. Cause a lot of time we go there trying to fix the other person and that's not, that's, that's not a, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. You got to own your, you got to own your shit really. Yeah. And it, yeah. And the fact that, you know what, parenting to me in a lot of ways is just personal growth. That's what it is. Yeah. Like it's me showing yeah. my kids how to be in life and me becoming yep. a better person. And that way, I think, yeah. yeah, that's the ultimate parenting, really, hack, I think. Yeah, that's the most important, is, is to show your kids. And I spent some time trying to hide my actions from my kids and my wife because I wanted to present this polished, perfect parent and husband. It just doesn't exist in a relationship. Like, if, if you don't show flaws, they're not as prone to come to you when they have stuff developing that they don't know how to manage. Yeah. 
right? And it's not that every conversation or every argument or discussion is for, should be in front of the kids, but there should be some level of, of resolving issues that's demonstrated to them or having a difference of opinion or just kind of conflict resolution. Yeah, hundred percent. So you talked about communication as a dad, like how does that look with your kids? Like how open, like I'll give you examples of Mike, of me trying to be a good communicator with my kids. Um, and I worked in outdoor education for years, like, well, probably over 20 years on and off. So I'm used to working with kids in that respect. So in terms of communicating with them, so with my kid in the summer, I was getting really angry. I got, yeah, he was being disrespectful. I got really angry with him, but afterwards, you know, and he had tears and I was upset with myself and, you know, we just kind of hit the wall a little bit. Um, it was a one-on-one camping trip kind of thing. So it's a whole bunch of stuff came up and, um, and I sort of leaned into it after everything, all the emotions had calmed down. And I just to kind of explain to him how I was feeling. I was like, you know what? I want this to be the most perfect day because you're only here in the summers. And so I get frustrated if it's not the perfect day. And if you're showing me attitude, that says to me, you're not having the best time. And so it's making me sad. And my way of express, you know, of dealing with that is to kind of have an outburst and, you know, just get mad at you. And so I was trying to just explain, I mean, he's like, at this point eight so yeah eight and a half mm-hmm. now and yeah I try not to aim it too high at him too high level but i just wanted to be really honest with like you know what dude i just want it to be perfect and then he ended up saying yeah. i kind of feel the same it has to be the most perfect day with you always because we just don't get enough time together yeah and it was really i felt really good talking and just being that way with him um yeah, yeah how how is it with you with your kids so, the, I mean, that's the, that's the, the genesis of the Dear Son podcast is I was struggling with communication with my oldest son. And I've said it on that platform is that he, he's at the age where I started pushing my father away. My father was in the house. You know, I had constant access to him. I just didn't like his rules and his way. And he didn't have great communication skills with his father. And his father was only allowed the first 20 years of his life. So it was a whole lot of gaps, a whole lot of missing information and just lack of experience that he was learning on the fly with me. And then I was a very, um, <clears throat> like I was a kid that had to touch the hot stove. I had to bump my head for it to make sense. And I think that frustrated him a lot, right? So, you know, it was it was physical discipline, right? That's that's where he came from. And that's what was, was common um, in that era. And I had to realize with, with my son is that I went the other extreme, right? I... I couldn't, I should say I couldn't, I didn't, I stopped physically disciplining them, disciplining my son very early, right? Never could hit the girls. I just doesn't sit right with my spirit, doesn't set the tone well for what's acceptable behavior for a man because he doesn't agree with your actions. So I just, I couldn't do that with them. And I had girls first, two girls before my oldest son. And I started becoming the dad that I wanted to have at 14 which isn't the dad that I needed at 14. So if my son wanted to be in his room, I'll leave him alone. If he wanted to play video game, I, you know, I was kind of too much being a cool dad. And then when things got out of hand, I would measure him to what was expected of me at his age. But my father parented very differently. Like my father didn't have to tell him to take out the trash. If, I, if he had to tell me to take out the trash that I was already in trouble. My son, like it, it's clicking now that this is, this is what you have to do. But I never, I never set an expectation of if this doesn't happen, this is, these are the consequences. So there was no Whether boundaries for your, for your boy. There was no, there was, 
that was no expectation. Right. So I, I can't say boundaries because the, they, my kids don't wild out. That, that's just not them. They, I am so serious all the time that it was more of a fear factor for them not to behave, like have outbursts and all of that. But just the, like the discipline of doing the things that you're supposed to do is where we were lacking. So I, I don't have the kids that we go to the mall, they're making a scene or, you know, they're, they're I can't find them because they're running off. That part we had down packed, but I just didn't have conversations about him about, this is why I, this, these are the expectations, number one, here's why they're important to me. And here's why it's important to you to grasp this as you're becoming a man. And only a couple of years ago, it was a new year. I think it was 2020 going into 2021, I believe, or 19 going into 20. We had this, uh, you know, this, this kumbaya moment with my kids because my son felt like he was being treated different. And he couldn't tell me, he told the sisters. So they brought it to, to me on his behalf. And we had this conversation. He's like, I, I think you're always being hard on me. You, you treat me different from the girls. And I broke it down, I said, yes. Yeah, there are things that are gonna be expected of you as a man and as a, as a black man specifically in America, like, like you're looked at a certain way when you walk out the door, you don't have control over what people think of you. They don't see the environment that you're in every day. They see you and whatever their filter is, that's how they process you. So we go on and on, everybody's crying. And at the end, he's like, thank you. I didn't, I didn't know that. I'd never explained stuff to us. That's why I have an episode called You Deserve Context is because I was browbeating him into submission and to, to acting a certain way, but we never had a conversation about why it's important. Yeah. Wow. That's great though, yeah. isn't it? Like, I think that's, that's yeah. powerful. Yeah. I, I prefer that. Like, but see, I didn't. I didn't come from a use your words environment. I came from a do this. If you don't, this happens, right? And it's it's very swift. Yeah, yeah. Right. But that was that's just how it worked out. So that, you know, that's an example of him, but um, it's helping me to be more uh have more dialogue with my kids. Like, are you okay? Like they they there was a school shooting in their district at the high school that they would have attended had we stayed in the first neighborhood we moved to. And this is great neighborhood and that that doesn't matter and that doesn't justify it but there was no expectation based on where we were living that they were going to run into these kinds of kinds of challenges so we stayed in the school district moved to another house to put them in a different school so they still have friends at that school that matured you know that kept going through that that process so we hear about the shooting of course my wife and I we drop everything we go to their school it didn't happen at their school but it happened at the old at the school that they would have been at where their friends are and uh, we go to pick them up and most of the kids in school, the, the parents are frantic, but the kids are just like checking messages. And I'm like, are you, are you, are you okay? Do you, how are you processing this? And my daughter, uh, she was in, is this, I think this was ninth. No, this was, yeah, this was ninth grade year, 10th grade year. Yeah. 10th grade year. And she said, I, I don't know like whoa so are you like is this so common like they're getting texts from people in the school about what's happening wow somebody's in here shooting and i'm like rarely did that happen like somebody may have brought a knife to a high school when i was in high school and that's you know early 90s early to mid 90s but somebody's shooting 
And the other part is they get information so fast and so much, like it, it, you can't keep up with it as a parent. Like you can't give them enough good information to balance out everything they have access to. Yeah. So and it, it's tough. What do you so? Well, I have a couple of thoughts in my head. Like first, just in, for all the kids, you know, daughters and sons. Like, how do you like? What do you What do you do as a parent? Do you just have to trust their instincts and sort of set them up? I don't know, like, what do you, how do you talk to them about like, what if there is a situation like that? Like, I, I think, I think the, the most important thing is establishing the, um, the open dialogue. So before a problem, talk to them about things that aren't problematic, like have the, my problem was I assumed so much was cool because especially with the, the daughter in that, in that scenario, she's a lot like me. She doesn't give off a lot of emotion. She handles everything, even if it's something stressful she'll figure it out. She won't, she won't even bother her parents. That's her thing. She won't bother her parents with helping trying to figure it out, but just having more of a dialogue with them where they know that they can say something to you. Right. And then ask them, ask them before something goes right. Are you okay? No, seriously. Are you, so it's fine if you're not, but are you, can you, do you know how you feel about anything? Yeah. Like a you to them. And this is my mission. My kids are a bit, well, similar I've got an eight-year-old I know you have younger ones but with the eldest like into that teen years I want to be the parent where they feel safe to come to and tell me anything like are you that dad like do they do you get that from them do they really open up they definitely know that our dad is coming to get them whatever the scenario is if you're if they're wrong I am I am coming to get you we'll figure it out and that's the that's step one for me is that they have that trust where they're not calling other people when they get in a compromised situation. Yeah. And we're still working to, to on expanding the frequency and the, and the openness because they're, you know, they're somewhat guarded, man. And the kids, you know, kids think they have a thought process too that may not agree with yours, right? So that may limit the amount of conversation or their, their trust in you. But it's cool to talk about those differences too. I put a lot of things in the context of, when I was your age, here's how I felt about my parents. And that's, that's a lot of what this podcast does. And I had my father on and we talked about it. And having that conversation gave me insight into his upbringing. So I was like, ah, doesn't mean that it's perfect or I think that it should have been done differently, but I, I kind of understand. So I think sometimes as parents, we, we don't allow our kids to understand us or our story, or we only present certain things that make us look a certain way. But I mean, they, they got access to so there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing that they can't get access to in terms of information. Yeah. What's, do you want to be the source or do you want to have some other, you know, discredit, uh, a non-credible source, whatever the word is, source that is incredible, yeah, yeah. you know, advising the children. I like, that's a good point actually is, exp- yeah, explaining your experience as a kid growing up to give them mm-hmm. some context as to how you think about things and how you're trying to be is uh yeah, yeah I'm, my kids may be a little bit young for that right now but that's a yeah i like that approach it just it's just full openness isn't it yeah you you'd be surprised well i said i was gonna say you'd be surprised but for for me the eight and the seven year old the ages are just numbers because they are constantly around an older set of siblings yeah so they're always trying to be relevant always trying to understand what they understand and listen to what they listen to so in my case, in, um, you know, in, in our house, it's not too early. 
right? That my my youngest son is super intuitive. Like he'll <laughs> think something that you didn't know he heard, you'll see it demonstrated a week later, right? And he'll reference that. Nah, this is what I heard you say, or it. I don't think it's too early. They're sharp. It is surprising yeah. how sharp they can be. It's, that's true enough. Yeah. Do you so like? How do you get like? How do you balance time with all the kids? Like, what does quality family time look like for you guys? Like, do you get one-on-one yeah. time with them, or because you said you have I your do. thing with some of them? Yeah, yeah, I I do, but balance is a myth. Um, at least in our house, I don't I don't know. Like again, I don't have stats, but you you do you give time to what's necessary. Sometimes that you know that priority. Um, replaces something else that you intended to do, but if you do what's needed, um, my kids are in d- very different stages of life. You know, I got one in college that's technically an adult and some, like I have to kind of change my, my approach with her a little bit because it doesn't mean that she doesn't have rules in the house, but some things you have to, only life is going to teach you. So I still try to frame it out. Like, Hey, here's why I, like, Here's why I don't want you to get gas at night. It's not that you can't get gas at night, but you know, like it's, it's, it's more of those conversations about, I want her to be more aware about more aware of her surroundings, her friends, the decisions that she's making, but I got to let her make decisions or she'll never get, it. I think I, I sheltered her too much actually. Um, so it, it's, if there was a balance with that, it would have been perfect. Right. But I, I went to the other extreme. Um, you know, some of the others, my, my next youngest daughter, she's on autopilot. And I keep saying that, but like, she, she knows what she wants to do. She, she tells you, here's what I talked to the counselor about. Here's, here's how I can graduate early. Here's my, here's what next semester looks like. Here's the colleges that I'm thinking, like she's on that path and it's natural to her. But I think she puts too much pressure on herself. Like she, she was, considering doing the, the the dual college program in high school so she can graduate with her associates, have her first two years of school done. But you can't do anything else. You can't do any extracurricular activities. I'm like, no, your job is to be a kid. Don't miss that part. I'm trying to make adult decisions about us paying for college and this and that, right? And then my son, my son wants to game. Like that, he wants to be a gamer. That's the, pri- the, the primary thing for him and what I'm trying to, the struggle for me is that this imaginative, imaginary balance for him with him would be, okay, but do school first. I'm not saying you can't be a gamer, but these, there's some basic requirements in front of you that afford you the opportunity to be a gamer, right? Just, you got to get through these things. I don't, our, our discussions around college is more so about what do you want to be in life? Not you have to go to college. Maybe you do if you want to be a doctor. Clearly you do. Do you want to be an influence and have impact on people? Do you have to go to college? Not necessarily. What is your end game? Like those are the conversations that I'm trying to have now that I wasn't having with my parents because that's just not the conversation they had. Like they were happy with me being able to go to school, right? And my sister got a four-year degree and then I got one, but my parents don't have it, right? So, and then my dad, his... um. His sisters, he's the oldest of four. He had three younger sisters that all got it later in life when he was working. So the, like the models, the, the, the mind state is different. And we're, we're trying to have more conversations about what do you want out of life? 
and then let's 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 talk about that. But no, there, there's no balance, man. There's, uh, you know, if one needs has an emotional breakdown, and I'm supposed to be playing a game with my son, the game has to stop. Yeah, you know, it, it's just you do you do the necessary. Do you guys are there things that you guys do as a whole family? Like, do you get to go oh, on yeah, holidays yeah. and stuff, and do weekend trips and stuff? Are they? Because they're pretty yeah. like I can imagine the 18 year old being like, "I'm good. I'll see you later. I'm going to the mall." Got some buds. That, that's what I was going to say. They, they're getting to that point now where it's like we got to plan around their schedule. Um, the 18 year old, and then after that is the 16 year old. Like they, they've been in, they've been cooped up in the house so much that you want them to have a life. And my 18 year old got her license at 18. In, in Texas, you could actually get your permit to start driving at 15 and have your license at 16, but she was a late bloomer. So I get it, right? And it's being stuck in the house due to COVID kind of has some 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 mental impact right so you you don't want to you don't want to you gotta respect that freedom at this point yeah yeah yeah. you, you want to allow them to to experience some portion of of the outside world but you know we'll do movie night we have a um now we just got the uh the, the oculus glasses and they love that what's that uh, especially the so the, the vr virtual reality oh, stuff. wow yeah you guys do so that. i mean Playing games, card games, board games. Yeah. Um, do you guys do dinner? Like, do you have like a regular sort of dinner family thing, or is that a struggle? Man, that is a fail because we. <laughs> so early on, we were better at it. When we moved back to the U.S., I was, I was always traveling. The last, the last, last few years prior to COVID, I was traveling a lot, and when we lived overseas, I was traveling back to the US and to other countries uh, for work. So it was always me on the go. When we came here, we tried to establish uh, like Sunday brunch where we get together and cook. But then sometimes they're sleeping in, right? And it's, and it's, it's me, me and my wife just had a conversation about it. It's like, I gotta be more, more authoritative about us having fun together and spending time together because I like them to be able to do what they that you know do their own thing, but those those fixed moments are very important. But no, we like to cook together, have dinner together, go on trips. We we actually took a a road trip from Texas to Virginia. I don't know what the equivalent is in Canada, but it's about nine about a thousand miles, maybe the whole trip, like fifteen hours and, and a, 15, 16 hours. It, it was it was it was twenty twenty. 21 hours if you're driving straight of course we broke it down into a multi a multi-day trip um so we you know we we like doing stuff like that i was very i pushed us a lot to do stuff like that to have that trip because my daughter just graduated from high school and i'm like man she like family trips are not gonna be a priority next summer like this summer coming yeah up, so. make the most of it yeah 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 but we we definitely that's that's a that's a an area of improvement for me is is forcing those we must sit down together especially dinner yeah and no phones we do my yeah. i get shut down by my wife sometimes because i can't i kind of sneak yeah. it under the table um watching and, the news that's the and kids stuff, with but. that's the kids with us me and my wife making sure that we leave our somewhere else yeah 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 that's a good one i think having we're at the moment pretty good with family meals but mm -hmm. just it's finding any time in the is a been a busy life just to like just yeah. connect and you're right actually yep. movies are not a bad option because you can kind of cuddle up have the popcorn i kind of yeah. like that too but you're right you got yep. bet 
as they get older, you gotta like, yeah, you got you gotta lock them it's in. Tough, man. Gotta lock them in. It's tough. Cause I'm not pushing them out either. You know, I don't I, oh, again, yeah. I want them to leave prepared because I left prematurely. And my my parents didn't push me out, but it was one of those things, like I was saying, they had to let me figure out life, right? And it's it it would it wasn't as bad as it could have been because they stayed involved and engaged, but yeah. Man, I, I wasn't prepared. So you're okay with the kids being there 21, 22? Oh, yeah. If 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 we're on if the, if that is the best approach to them achieving the life that they desire, that makes sense, that's respectable, positively contributes to society, all those other things. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah. I can't, we've been talking about it a lot. We have a really nice house, but we'd, if we could get mm. a bit of land, like move and have a house where we could build something yeah. and just keep them all there with us, like I'm in. Like I'm as long yeah. as they're working and they're being productive and they're doing sports and you know they have kind of like you know they got they're keeping themselves in check. Then I'm I'm yeah. all for keeping them around. That that's 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 funny, man, because that's that's the conversation that we're having now. The house that we're in now is the right size for our life right now yeah and it sounds like a big house but when you put seven people in there and actually are part of the seven that are living there it's like okay this makes sense yeah but as their as our needs change i want more land i want five to ten acres yeah somewhere that you know if they choose then they, they can have a house you know on an eighth or ninth acre i don't want them next door to me but I don't think anyway, but you know, I know you mean just having yeah, that, yeah. the option. Yeah. What is, Cause I don't want to see their life. You know, I, you know so they uh, need their privacy. They got to do that thing yeah. for sure. But you know, I, I do think about that a lot with my kids. I'm like, and that's where I come to the property piece is like, I kind of like, how can I help them be best set up? And I just see the real estate prices in this part of the world yeah. anyway, going up. I'm like, that's the mm -hmm. one thing if I could, although now we've with three kids, it's, I mean, you got five, like, I don't know that yeah. I can buy like that many houses, but somehow, I don't know if I just knew they had somewhere safe to be like a home, yeah. like in this area, yeah. ideally, but yeah, that's a bit, that's a big one looking in the future. Yep. So I want to circle back just to ask you just, but I'm just kind of interested because like the world's been kind of crazy. Like there's, Nuts. there's like the freedom convoys going on in Canada. I don't know if you picked up on that, but that's a big thing up mm. here um yeah check it out just google freedom convoy freedom canada Convoys. okay oh yeah it's a big push to end restrictions up here with the, the covid pandemic but um mm. but yeah just all around the world it's, you know in different ways yeah. it's kind of nuts like so for your son particularly because you brought him up mm -hmm. um you just mentioned this a minute ago like how do you prepare him for the world as a man um because you was just saying as a black man um you yeah. know down where you are in texas whatever yeah, yeah what what's that conversation look like very, very, um, very blunt, very transparent, but it's not a, um, I don't, I don't convey fear to him. It's, it's here's, you have to be aware. And I, the, the one thing, and they would, they could probably tell you if you ask them, the, the thing that annoys me the most is when they don't appear to be aware of their surroundings. If we're out and about and you're walking, looking down at your phone and you have no idea if, if you're still walking with your family or not, that kind of thing irks my nerves. If you want to get me to snap, that's the thing. Um, but just being, you know, 
he sees the thing like you know he sees the the feed the the headlines and then he sees the misinformation because everybody's a reporter i just share with him my experience and then you know what what it feels like to be treated solely on the basis of how you look how you speak um because he hasn't had to experience that when we when we lived overseas, we lived in Dubai for three years and as much of a great experience it was for them, it completely let down their guard. You can sleep with your, with your, you can sleep with your front door open in Dubai and nothing's going to happen. Like there've been cases where I, like I've dropped money or if I drop my wallet, 95, 97% of the people there will chase you down to make sure you have it right? There's just a different type of respect for life. And um, that really, not that I want them to have street smarts, but just like common sense there is, fa- is, is, is predicated on the environment, right? Common sense is predicated on your environment. Essentially means you know how to adapt to where you are. You, you can take context clues from what's happening around you but if nothing's happening around you that causes you fear or angst, you don't process it differently when you come to an environment where you got to be concerned about that stuff. So I, I, there's been some undoing. And again, I don't want them to be fearful and not enjoy life. I want them to be aware. So my conversation with him is, is really about awareness. And it's like some, my frustration with you not, responding to me quickly in the house is because if something happens outside the house, that could be a life or death situation for you. It literally can move duck, come over here, get out the way. Like you, I need you to respond to my voice period. Right. It doesn't need to be, it's not always a dialogue when something's happening and they just, and him specifically, he, he's probably the more, the, the more aloof <laughs> than, than the others, but he's, he's just being a kid. And, uh, like I said, I, I had to manage my, my, how assertive or how aggressive I am with it because it was different for me. And it's not like I grew up in the hood or in gangs or anything like that, but you know, I saw it in school. So I was more aware of how to deal with it and uh, how to maneuver. So those, those are the real conversations with him. If I, when I see, when I see it in his eyes that he gets it and he's locked in, I feel like I'm doing something doing something right that's good i remind me he's 16 he's 14 14 that's right okay so my sons are 14 and seven and you know what well just from very different situations but running i used to do um expeditions with teenagers so 15 through Mm -hmm. 19 that kind of age range to different parts of africa Mm -hmm. for like four or five weeks but yeah yeah, i the awareness like the lack of awareness with teenagers in those kind of environments is like boggling boggling yeah and i think yeah that's that's a really i think for any anybody in some way like just yeah, teaching even, your even kids for me yeah go ahead i'm sorry no i was just gonna say just for just in general as a life skill just to have that awareness yeah. for your surroundings i lived in an inner city in the uk in bristol and um it was kind of like prostitutes on every corner and yeah. um get a lot of gang kind of stuff going on too it's a little bit of a crazy scene I'm in the mountain town now. It's very different. Mm. Um, but just those, 
don't know. I like the, the experience in life of living in different environments, the building that awareness. And that's exactly yeah. what I want to, in a very different way um, from the question I asked you about being, you know, as a black, having a black son and yeah. Texas, but just my son in general traveling in the world and being a lot of try. I have to do a lot of trust because he lives overseas most of the time. Right. So no, I think the awareness is a that, good thing. That's a, that's a common thing because like I said, just like traveling, we, we lived internationally. So we, you know, we would fly and sometimes we would spend time in uh, different countries doing the layovers and things like that. But just one thing I think that me and my wife have done well is, is um, like our, our children out in public, they, um, they do very well. So going through the airport, being on a plane, going to another country, like if, if nothing else, when we get out in public, they are the most clingy to us. And it's not out of fear, but it's, it's like, like, guys, you can't get stuck here. Like we get separated here. It's, it's a whole different thing. And, and it was interesting what you said about traveling out through Africa. I, I've, I've had to travel through um, different parts of Africa, well, mainly primarily East Uganda, Djibouti, um, and Ethiopia. Like I'm still, even though I may look similar to, to, to the, to the residents, I, there's still an awareness thing that that comes into play with me because I'm I'm not local, right? This is not I don't know the people, I don't know all of the customs. So that's one thing that that traveling has really give, given me an appreciation for is like when you're when you're, especially as an American, where there's so much freedom and um, relative, you know, and and opportunities relative to other places. When you go other places, and you're like you really have no leverage you like your like freedom is not even a, a concept It's based on how you act even when i was in dubai i mean it's there are very specific rules that you must abide by they're not negotiable um having that perspective being in other places gave me an appreciation for for what we have here but what i want for my family and what's important to me in terms of my family um understanding opportunities yeah i could see that yeah that's a great gift for your kids i mean that's one thing i think with my kid traveling back and forth to two mm -hmm. very different environments. I mean, it's both Western world. I mean, it's not Africa, but just the airport experience and just that kind of yeah. travel. Like it just, it really opens their mind up to, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it does create more awareness. And like, like yeah. you say, like sticking to you because there's that trust. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure with it's the same with you, but and I, it was for me too. Like you kind of look to your dad as being the strong one or your parents yeah. in general as being that safe yeah. kind of, your safe space. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So did you, I'm, go on. I would say it, but there's one thing that's, that's interesting about becoming a dad, man. You can't be scared of the things you were scared of when you weren't a dad, when your kids come around. That's so true. 100%. Got to figure it 100%. out. 100%. <laughs> so true. Um, yeah, I got one last question because I know time's getting on. I could honestly, I could just keep talking to you, but um, I'm interested, did you, because you mentioned, because one thing that I have um, is the distance piece, but it sounds like you mm -hmm. had that at certain stages with your work, being away from the family. Was that a reality yeah. for you for a bit? For short periods. The longest, the longest period, um, I went to Iraq for a year and worked on a military base as a contractor. Um, that was the longest, and that was probably was the most stressful period of our, of our family relationship because I was, it wasn't as bad, but it was still a war zone. Yeah. So you got to kind of, always be on guard, always be on alert. And 
you can't, for me, I couldn't spend a lot of time worrying about things that were very, it would, it would paralyze you. You're always worried about what's going on at home, your family, who's doing what. And in the background, you're hearing gunshots and there's bunker calls and all of that. It's, it was tough for me to manage. So I, ch I chose to suppress the, the, the family concern. You detached from the family I at did. that time emotionally. I did emotionally. And that's a great way to put it. I probably haven't said it that well on any conversation about it, but that's exactly what happened. It's not right. And it's not, it's not an excuse. It's that that's how I process survival the by the sounds life. like it. Yeah. So yeah, were you yeah. that, were you there for a whole year? So you, you, the, the longest continuous period was the first five and a half, six months. I think I went, that's long. I went in July or the end of July. Yeah, I went a, actually, I went a week before my son turned one, which was crazy. Um, and I came home for Christmas two weeks. And that's the weird part with young kids, especially my, my son, who's my oldest, you know, my oldest son was is the one that was uh, young at the time. Like, it would take him five or six days to get used to me when I come home. I have a few days of him being used to me, then I'm right back out. So that... I couldn't do it much longer than a year. Um, but you were, my guess is that was, recover. you were making the money though. Like that's gotta be was good it? money. That's <sighs> oh, all relative, man. Like at the time, at the time it was three times my salary. Doesn't mean a lot, right? It was actually, it wasn't three, it was probably two and a half times my salary. That was a tax break for staying out of the U.S. so long within a, within a 12 month period. But the reality is, or was that we were working seven, 12 hour days. So every week you work two weeks. So to make two and a half, what you were making because you work twice as hard. Meh. Oh yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nah, I Not wouldn't. worth the time. I, I did it. I did. And I, for a long time, I say I had to do it. Like, and that's what guys say. We do what we got to do. I did it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I probably, if, and if I had, more conversations with my wife we probably could have figured something else out but that was another thing that i presented to her like hey i'm going over here because we we about to lose the house if i don't do something like it was i was so convincing that it wasn't conversational right yeah yeah it was like oh she just supported me so what is emotional detach in that sense of like being emotionally detached what does that look like were you not facetiming or phoning or like how do you detach in that yeah. way for you so, I mean, this is 2008, 2009, and I don't think in Iraq, I know in Dubai, you couldn't, like you Skype, you could, it was a bunch of countries over there where Skype wouldn't even work. So on a military base, sometimes it would work, but it wasn't necessarily enough bandwidth to support FaceTime. So you might get a Skype call um, for me at, at 2 or 3 a.m. because I was either eight or nine hours ahead, depending on if it was um, daylight savings time not in the U.S. And like it'd go from trying every day to, all right, we'll try a couple times a week to once a week to, I just sent an email, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was bad, man. But like I could, sometimes I could call from the desk phone, which would be cool, but you know, it's, we weren't having a whole lot of meaningful conversation. Like I wasn't being very open about yeah. like, Oh, I'm, I'm scared at night. Oh, yeah, yeah. this is, it's rough. 
like because I didn't want to I didn't want to put that stress on my wife if she's by herself. We had family in the area, which was good, but she was in a house, you know, with three kids under four. That's the, the fact that you guys came through that. I mean, that had to make you stronger. I would imagine, yeah. right? When you come back yeah. and reconnect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why I said I, I credit my wife, man. She she's been the most understanding and hasn't really judged me. Um I would I would act as if she was judging. Like before she could judge, I would just assume, like put the walls up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, nah, she's um my wife is the reason. Yeah, that's amazing. It's the reason. Great foundation. Well, that says a lot that you can uh and I'm gonna, I was just thinking actually that. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to check out healthy marriage is dope, but with the missus, cool, cool. cause she's, she's down. Like we like listening to stuff like yeah. that together. And, um, yep. yeah, it'll be interesting to hear what you guys have to share there. I'm excited about that. Yes. Some of it is, uh, some of it you can tell, S- send me a message after you listen to one. Yeah, yeah. Just let me know. <laughs> let me know what you think. 100%. Sometimes it gets a little like, oof. But you know what? They put that out. I like that though. I kind of like to just, the just get it out there. Like the more yeah. I've done this podcast, the more I'm like, just like, just, yeah, it's good to be, because I think when you're doing that, that's where people really get something back from it. Cause it's like, yeah. oh, we had, I mean, I can imagine we're going to have a conversation after listening to one of yours, where we're like, Beware. <laughs> and what I found, I know that my wife would say to me too, and I'm not throwing her under the bus in any way, but sometimes when you hear other people going through the struggle as a mom or, you know, in a relationship, it actually yeah. helps, it kind of helps you in a way, just to sort of yeah. feel like, yeah, you're being, is vindicated the right word? But like, yeah, that you're, you're not alone. And that's a, you're that's a big alone. deal. Yep. Um, hey man, I got a question for you just to finish up here. Cause my, okay. my little three-year-old, he just, he's in daycare two blocks down. Mom's gone to get him. So I know he's gotcha. going to come tearing up here in about five, okay. 10 minutes. Um, if you could whisper something to yourself, like when you first became a dad, like, you know, if yep. you could go back and be like, what piece of advice would you have given yourself and any other expectant father right now? Yeah. Uh, assuming the relationship is intact, uh, I will let my wife be there for me a lot sooner. Like stop trying to burden everything. Um, so, sometimes you feel like as a father, you feel like everything is in your shoulders. If you ask the mom, the wife, sometimes they feel the same. And just having that conversation will, will, will give you perspective each to the other that may allow each to help the other a different way or be there for them in a different way. That's my biggest. I think that's regret. a good one. Like that's communication, isn't it? Yeah. Which is, I mean, communication, yes, that, that's step one, but actually being vulnerable. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Like, yo, I'm not, I, I don't know how to deal with this. Yeah. I have no clue what I'm doing. I should have had more of those conversations. I like, yeah, the vulnerability piece is huge, actually. That's mm-hmm. a really good take home for any dad, any man, yeah. whether they're a dad any or person. not, or any person. Yeah. It's true. It's yeah. so true. Hey, man, Dijon, so good to speak to you, man. I really like the, Absolutely. I really like uh, hearing your story. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a great time, man. Great time. I appreciate the invite, man. If I can, if I could be a further assistance, let me know. Yeah, man. Well, maybe we can do this again sometime down the road. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I had to get you on mine. Hey, that'd be awesome. I'd be a pleasure. Good, good, good. Okay, man. We'll speak to you again. Appreciate that, man. Let's stay in touch. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, please do share 
and subscribe and leave a rating or an even better, a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Please find us on Facebook and Instagram at Dab Without Borders and a full list of episodes can be found at dabwithoutborders.com. Thanks for supporting the show and we'll see you next time.